you know, I'm really just trying to, you know, deliver value for other people. I'm very interested in, in progress and, and just getting better. You know, I think earlier in my career, I think it, it's real easy to, you know, look at other people and then frankly get bummed out. Uh, you're like, I'm not as far as that person, but you also have to look at the fact that, you know, everybody kind of has their own story and their own, you know, they're at a different chapter in their own story. And, and so you can't really, you know, compare. And, uh, you know, I, I post quite a bit on social media and, and just really just trying to be a, a positive influence. Um, I run quite a bit, you know, we're very interested in, in giving back and, um, you know, we're doing that in a few different ways. You're listening to the Gorilla State Investing Podcast. We're not here to bruise your bananas with guru sales pitches, overrated fluff, or any other kind of monkey business. We simply provide the ground-pounding truth about what it takes to be successful in real estate. All right, today's guest is Dustin Miles with Momentum Multifamily. Dustin was an engineer at Lockheed Martin uh, before he started investing in real estate. Dustin started out doing single-family fix and flips like a lot of us do, and then uh, realized that there was a lot more equity to be had in the uh, multifamily world where he started doing limited partner deals with syndications in 2012 and then stepped over to the dark side in 2014 where he started syndicating deals of his own as a general partner. And today, Dustin is getting ready to go full cycle on his seventh deal. He's got 11 total uh, syndications under his belt, uh, about 1,700 doors in total. Dustin, welcome to the show, brother. I appreciate having you on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you're currently out at Dallas-Fort Worth, right? Is that where you guys do most of your deals at? I've kind of done deals all over Texas. I've done two in Oklahoma. Our main market that we're focusing on right now is Houston. Houston, why is that? Uh, we, we think Houston out of the major markets in Texas kind of gives you the best bang for the buck. Really, is the, the cap rates out there doing a little better than is? Would you say Dallas is kind of bought out right now, or is it uh, is it still pretty good deals to be had? Uh, we, we get, we, we have a tough time making the numbers work or, you know, basically having to be, you know, fairly aggressive in order to make, you know, make the deals work. But, you know, we're playing more in that, uh, in the A space. Uh, so we're, the deals that we're going after kind of early 2000s product. Oh, really? So you guys are more class A? Yep. Well, why is it? Cause most syndicates, syndicators, at least the ones I know focus on, Class C value add stuff like that, and I, I, I have a hint, or I think it's probably because of the cash flow. But with cat, Class A, are you guys focusing more on the equity? Uh, no, we we try to hit you know probably about you know if you were to look at you know the percentage of return and all that uh, cash flow versus you know when you sell uh, sell the property. You know, we're about we're close to 50 50 sometimes it's you know down to 40 60 but we you know try to keep that uh that you know amount that somebody gets on the back end you know about half and then cash flow is about the other half so um but there's you know there's a few reasons why we kind of go after you know we so i used to go after b and c and kind of made that shift over and a you know part of that is the the cap rate environment that that we're in you know whether 
So if you kind of go back and look at the CBRE cap rate surveys, uh, you know, for the past 10 years, so the, the basically, um, you know, the amount of movement that you see in the cap rate for an A is, is that B goes out further and C is even further. So, um, you know, there's, I, I think we're, we'll be fine. We're going to be in a low, you know, low cap rate environment, low interest rate environment for a long time. But, and, and you know, I guess in my, my mind, there's a little, um, you know, a little less risk on the A side from that perspective, but then there's also less risk and holding longer term, uh, just, you know, we're, you know, instead, I'm not having to, I'm not having to deal with, you know, 40, 50 year old pipe, you know, everything I'm dealing with is, you know, maybe, you know, 15, 20 years old tops. So do you, I'm, I'm guessing with class A, you spend more on the front end, but your expenses are, are just less because it's a better ran machine. You don't have as many problems. Uh, roofs aren't coming due. the AC, all that stuff is in, in good work and order. So do you see, I'm guessing you see that on the numbers because you pay the money up front and you don't have to fix all those problems. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's part of it. I mean, you know, there's, there's a, a little more, it, you know, it depends on the deal and all that, of course, but there's a little more consistency in, in terms of, uh, you know, less bad debt, less delinquency and, and all that good stuff too. And why is that? Uh, it, you know, some of it's just, it's not always the case, but some of it's, you know, just a function of, um, you know, it, in the A, A space, you, you know, they're higher incomes, you know, not all the time. Some people, you know, as soon as they get their check in their hands, it's gone. Uh, but, but some, you know, A class sometimes makes more. And, and so they just have, you know, have a little more income to play around with. Yeah, I read that uh, it's it's the class A. Uh, the tenants in class A rent because they want to, not because they have to. Right? It's like they could afford. To, in most markets, they could afford to purchase a house, but they prefer to rent. Where in class B, you get that middle working class. They 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 could afford a house, but but not yet. And then class C, uh, they defined it as the people who kind of have to rent. Right? Is that what you guys see? Uh, not, not necessarily. I mean, I would say that's more so for that, that higher end a stuff. I mean, there's a pretty big difference between, you know, the state stuff, I would say that we're going after for the most parts that a minus product. Okay. So they make pretty good money. Sometimes they can't really come up with a down payment to necessarily go buy a house or sometimes it's, you know, due to credit, but um, you know, I'd say a, a decent number of people, um, you know, will always be renters, but they, they, you know, they want a little nicer place. Um, but there are some people, you know, typically the people that we lose are the people that, you know, are going to buy a house. Yeah. And I, I imagine you get some turnover because if they can't afford a house, like right now with interest rates so low, they, they go buy a house, you know, is that, uh, but the, if, if, I mean, I, I haven't bought a house lately and all that, but I know the, the requirements for credit and the requirements for down payment has also been kind of going up too. So, um, you know, not, not everybody's going to have, you know, that I don't remember what the credit score is to buy a house, but, you know, not, not everybody's going to be able to meet that. Okay. Well, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk, let's, let's go back to whenever you first decided that you're going to invest in real estate. Like, tell me what was your mindset and, and, and why you chose single family to start? 
You know, I, you know, a lot of, we talk to investors all day long and, and, you know, a lot of people, and this was the same mentality I had as I wanted to dip my toes in the water. And, you know, I had heard about multifamily and, you know, um, so I, we had a few single family uh, mentorships. They frankly didn't, you know, work out for one reason or another. Um, and then we ended up going to uh, Lifestyles Unlimited, and that's where we found some success on the single family side. And, um, you know, so they, they have a multifamily program and all that too. Uh, so that was part of the attraction is we start, you know, on single family and then we hop over to the multifamily side. But, you know, we had a little bit of money to play with and, um, you know, wanted to, you know, wanted to just start on the single family side, see how that went, then kind of, you know, graduate per se over to a multifamily, but that's not the way you have to do it. Yeah. I've noticed a lot of people, a lot of people that have been on the show have kind of just jumped right into syndications and it blows my mind because it's, it takes some balls to be able to do that, man. Like, uh, and I, it, it, it takes good education. I think there's a lot more, at least these days, people pushing the education side and, 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 and what they call borrowed confidence where, Hey man, you can do syndications, but I, I remember being four or five years into investing and driving by large apartment complexes and just thinking to myself, like, who owns this? Like, how do you do that? I didn't even know. No one, no one was telling me, uh, until I finally found somebody who was doing it and, and, and kind of had a mentor to get me into the game, but definitely a lot more people, uh, jumping right into it and saying to hell with single family these days, uh, but I mean, yeah. like me and you, we, <laughs> we worked that ladder. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny. You mentioned you, how you would drive around and look and, and kind of wonder who owns that. So, so that, that was, that is exactly uh, kind of my thought. So I, when I was a little kid, I was probably, I don't know, 10 years old. So I'd ride around Fort Worth and I guess I was a weird kid because I'd ride around I'd be like, you know, who owns all of this large stuff. And I assumed it was very large companies. And then I was playing soccer with a guy and, um, you know, went to his house and all that. And he had a monster house and his family were, they were one of the families that owned, you know, some of this big stuff around Fort. They own a, a skyscraper in downtown and some other commercial property and all that. And so, um, you know, so I think that that was kind of my first exposure to real estate and, you know, kind of, you know, I don't know if you drew the same conclusion or not, but I was, you know, as like a little kid, I was like, Hey, they're normal people. You know, they, they eat and they put their own clothes on all that. And, you know, if, if they can do this, you know, why, you know, kind of as a little kid, I was like, well, why not me? Yeah. And uh, so anyways, but, but I've always, you know, I've always been pretty, entrepreneurial. When I was a little kid, I had a, a candy business. My bus driver called me the candy man. And um, so anyways, just, you know. No, no, tell me, tell me about the candy business, dude. You got to. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just glaze over the candy business. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, so my, my, uh, I would pay my parents and they would, we'd go to Sam's and I'd go buy those big jugs of candy. And then, you know, it's pretty, I mean, I was eight years old, but it's pretty easy math. It's like, okay, I paid five bucks for this jug and then I charge everybody a quarter, then I'm making, 
you know, I'm making 20, 25 bucks on the, you know, on this big thing of, of candy. And um, so anyways, I got to where I was making about profiting about 50 bucks a week. And uh, so I had a pretty good little operation till the, my uh, school shut me down and <laughs> I was waiting for that. They, uh, they, they told me that, um, yeah, that either I had to stop or they're going to kick me out. So I was like, okay, you do not support capitalism. Yeah. Or, yeah. We suppress that. You got to go get you a W2 son. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right, man. Yeah. That, that is funny that you mentioned that because, uh, I had like a little hustle going on in high school. Uh, me and a buddy of mine, man, I haven't talked to Eric forever, but we, we got like some rolls of duct tape and made, uh, these duct tape. Well, I think we we're just messing around and, and, and made a duct tape wallet. And somebody was like, man, I really want one of those wallets. I was like, ah, I'll make you one dude. But it's like five bucks worth of duct tape and a bunch of time. I was like, I sell it to you for like 15 bucks. And he's like, I'll do 15 bucks. And so we, we went and got, you know, uh, used to collect baseball cards. The yeah. your really good card would go in that hard plastic case. Well, we yeah. would take those and, and use them as like credit card and ID card holders, oh, you know, cool. and just tape yeah. them into the wallet. And man, we, dude, we made some sick wallets, got into different prints and all this stuff. Started our first company, it was called Ducked Up. <laughs> and our saying was, if you can't duck it, I think you know the rest of the say, right? But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Learned a little marketing. Me and him would meet up and make these. Uh, we, we made back then the cell phone, you know, your cell phone went in a cell phone holder. It wasn't a case. It was like a pouch. Yeah, <laughs> right. I had to cut a hole so the antenna could come through. But uh, yeah, man, and we ended up, I think we made like 500 bucks a piece in a couple months uh, in high school. Nice. And I was like, man, this is, and, and same thing, dude, the school shut us down because we had we had a list of orders and we'd be out there uh with like a cutting board and and freaking razor blades at school <laughs> they were like you can't have razor blades what are y'all doing and then they found out we was selling everybody duct tape stuff but i don't know that, that's funny because now, now that you mentioned it's like you can see the kids who who have an entrepreneurial mindset from like way early on i don't think it just hits yeah. you when you're in your 40s you know it's yeah. There's yeah. something, something, something way back when you didn't realize it, but you were doing, you just had a, a knack for it. That's funny, man. In fact, my daughter, she kind of did the same thing. Uh, me and my, my brother, we own a company where we run baseball tournaments. Uh, and my daughter would do the concession stand thing, but she got smart. She saw that we were selling, you know, buying a tub of double bubble for, like you said, five bucks selling it for a quarter. And she went and was like, well, I bet, I bet I could sell 10, 10 of these for like, you know, was it would be like five bucks and she would go around, she'd bag them up and uh, she wouldn't even let you buy one at a time. It's like, nah, I'll sell you this bag for five bucks. And man, she crush it, dude. She'd sell a bucket in like 10 minutes. I was like, damn, That's smart, awesome. smart. <laughs> she's she's going to do good. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. So you got into single family and uh, like what, when you started doing, you started out with uh, limited partnerships in multifamily or did you do any like duplexes or triplex or anything like that? Uh, yeah, no, I just went from single family to uh, multifamily. So the first deal I was, a, I was an LP on, I was also a KP and it was, it was more, he didn't, he didn't need me on there or anything. It was more of a, you know, Hey, um, you know, pay it forward sort of thing. But um 
Uh, so yeah, the first deal is KPLP and uh, 76 units in North Dallas and actually still have the property today. So, um, you know, refinanced it, I guess, twice over that time period, you know, almost 10 years now. And um, yeah, it's been, it's right next, it's across street from an elementary school. It's in Wiley, which is next to Plano, that whole North Dallas just blowing up. And so, yeah, it's in a, in a really good spot and it just continued, you know, it's ATM. So, yeah. Yeah. What is, what's the end game for you? Like, uh, are you going, you plan on continuing to syndicate or are you going to, all right, I don't want to syndicate anymore. I'll start private lending or like, what are you going to do this forever? Or is it that you have a, a next phase? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, so right now my, uh, business partner and I, his name's Hayden Harrington and, uh, we're really interested in building up a portfolio of kind of that, that a minus product. And so, um, yeah, that, that's kind of the focus right now. We, you know, closed a deal earlier this year. Um, you know, we're hoping to get, get some more deals going. And, um, so you're, you know, we're just really wanting to build up, uh, uh, you know, a nice portfolio. We'd like to do about a deal a quarter. Um, you know, obviously if we've only done one deal this year or, you know, behind that, but, um, you know, uh, getting some, you know, getting some good deal flow and all that deal flow is the biggest uh, kind of pain point for everybody right now. So, but uh, yeah, we'd like to build up a portfolio and then, you know, kind of go from there. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. And I guess, you know, if it stops being fun then you know, maybe kind of start looking at doing something else, but it's a lot of fun right now. Tell me about your team and, and like, what do you bring to the team? Uh, hopefully I bring some value. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I guess it, it's kind of, you know, I went to school for engineering and, and, uh, so I, I like numbers and like analyzing stuff and, you know, I, I've played, um, you know, growing up and all that kind of, you know, talking about growing up as a kid as entrepreneur and all that. So, I mean, all the games I played were all strategy games. And so I kind of feel like that's been prepping me, you know, basically. So I've been playing strategy games for, you know, I'm 43. I've been playing strategy games for, you know, probably 30, 35 years. And so, I mean, this is, you know, this is just, um, you know, I feel like kind of prepping me for this, but, um, yeah, I've, I've played sports my whole life. I played uh, soccer since I was four and, and still played today. And, and so I, I feel like, you know, I'm used to being in a team environment and so in playing sports. And so I feel like this is just a, a different sport, you know, but we have a different team. Uh, so, um, going back to your question, so it's, it's, uh, yeah, me and Hayden, we have some other, you know, partners that, that help out in, in some different ways, but Hayden and I are kind of the main, main two, but, um, but yeah, my, my role is, is really, um, you know, uh, you know, really just trying to fine tune, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the, the business plan and, and, uh, you know, kind of direction and all that. Um, and then, you know, just try to, just try to help out, you know, where I can. And then, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. And so I have, you know, have a lot of connections with a lot of people. And, uh, so that helps. Then I, I think, you know, it, it feels, you know, 
feels kind of weird that I don't feel like I've been doing this that long, but compared to a lot of other folks that are newer in the game, I, I do have, you know, a little bit of a track record. And so, um, you know, that, that kind of earns some, you know, credibility, uh, per se, but, um, uh, but yeah, just, you know, really just trying to look to add value to, to our team and to our investors and um, just, you know, trying to try and put our best foot forward. Do you play Dungeons and Dragons? No, no. Settlers of Catan? Chess? Which, what, what strategy game are you in? Uh, I grew up playing Civilization. Is that kind of like Settlers? You know Settlers of Catan? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I it's it's basically you you own your you have your own country and you go go blow up other countries. Oh, it sounds like Risk. Is it like Risk? Probably. Yeah, I haven't played. I've only played Risk. I think once. So. Yeah, I was gonna call you nerd until you start talking about sports. Skin, <laughs> <I'm scared. laughs> man. I had to. Uh, but uh, uh, I actually just wrote an article about. Uh, Called, titled play play chess not checkers right and it's it just kind of, it, ta- it talks about a lot of people in my opinion uh play checkers it's they they go in to to hey i'm just you know because checkers you just got to kill everybody to win right so take down every deal because it's a deal or, or worry about your unit count but at the end of it what's your strategy like what what do you what are you really trying to do and that's why uh I wrote the article because, you know, if you're good, you can you can win chess in five or six moves, you know, and uh, you don't have to put so much effort into it. You just put a lot of brain power towards it. Not a very good chess player, but I kind of understand what 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 they're getting at with it. But um, I, me- I meet people who they, they, they hang their hat on unit count, uh, regardless of what the returns are or they they'll do a deal just for the sake of doing deals. Uh, and when you when you get down to the the brass tacks of it, a lot of monkey business going on. You know what I'm saying? I don't like monkey business on the real estate. <laughs> but I mean, you you've been doing it since 2014. What's that? That's seven years now, right? As a GP. Yep. And there's a uh, 11 total deals. It's about yeah. a deal and a half a year, right? It's a good yeah. steady pace. It it seems like you guys probably make pretty calibrated decisions i see i see people who are doing two thousand units a year uh in their first year yeah yeah like you might sit back and make sure you're holding holding true to your promises for a little while you know yeah 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 but yeah what's your take on that i mean is is it slow and steady uh wins the race or or uh, you see people doing a couple thousand per year do you think well they must have it together or they must have some secret sauce like uh, I mean, you know, look, I can I can go in and outbid anybody, but whether I can actually, you know, deliver the returns that we put down to investors, that's a whole different, you know, thing. So I mean, I I mean I can go out and you know, I can go buy every building that's that's out and you know, but will we will we actually be able to deliver, you know, the results to the investors and you know, and how long before you know that that gravy train stops. So um, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm big on, um, you know, we have friends and family that, that get into the deals. I mean, the deal that we did in Houston earlier this year, and that's going to be our Houston brand. Um, it's called the Henry and, and that's named after my son. And so, cool. um, you know, if, if, uh, we, you know, if, if I'm putting my son's name on, it'd be a damn good deal. So, yeah. um, you know, so we're, we're pretty picky and pretty selective about, you know, what we go after. 
I mean, frankly, I mean, so I, I just, um, I was part-time at Lockheed since 2018. I just quit this year, um, quit in February and, you know, and I could have quit earlier. Um, you know, frankly, there's a lot of deals that I could have done just to do the deal. And I, I didn't do it for one reason or another. A lot of times it was the area and, um, you know, uh, you know, probably I could have made money and given the fact that I didn't, you know, no, well, not everybody, but a lot of people didn't think good cap rates are going to keep, you know, compressing and all that. And um, so, you know, uh, I guess we're not out there doing a deal just because we can make the numbers work. And I think that's a, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, necessarily agree with that philosophy. I think you kind of have to look at it from a, you know, holistic perspective is, is, uh, you know, I guess maybe goofy as that sounds, but I mean, you know, we, we put, we put a lot of emphasis on, on the area. So if we don't like the area, cause that's the only, well, I mean, there's some other variables, but you know, that's a constant, like we can't change the area. We can't change the schools, can't change the neighbor, can't change the zip codes. We put a, we put a lot of time in making sure that we're really comfortable with that area. And, um, you know, cause I mean, you know, not, not all areas are the same, not all parts of DFW are the same, not all parts of Houston are the same and, and they all have different pockets and they're all you know, pluses and minuses about it. So, um, yeah, we just, we put a lot of, a lot of emphasis on that, a lot of time on that. And, um, you know, we, we don't even really run numbers until we we're like, okay, if we, we just look at the area. Um, if we like the area, then we'll start digging into numbers. So do you, um, it sounds like you guys will go in, find the area first and then go find what deals are available instead of being more reactionary where a deal comes across and then you got to go check out and see if it's a good area. Is that, uh, is that a true statement? Yeah. I mean, we, well, because we, we know the areas in Houston, um, you know, fairly well and, and we've been offering down there for a while. And so as soon as a deal comes out, we're like, nope, you know, not doing that. Or yes, we, we all, we offered on the, their next door neighbor. We love this area. Let's go after it. So um, actually there's a deal right now. Uh, we got second place on its neighbor. And so we're going after, you know, we're going after that other deal and we know every, we love the area. We know everything about it. And, um, so I, I think we'll, you know, we'll have a good shot at, at uh, getting it. Yeah. It's awesome when something comes up like uh, yeah. in an area that you just did all the research because of another deal, you know what I mean? Something else comes up. It's like all the work's been done. You yeah. know, it's like for, for me, uh, I, we're investing in Texas. I haven't been to Texas much, but my partners have. And so I have to rely on them to, to understand the numbers over there. But in Florida, which the we invest in North Florida Panhandle, there's just not a lot of inventory there. You know what I mean? Like the Florida Panhandle's population is the whole pan, the interstate 10 from Mobile to Tallahassee ain't got as many people as Dallas has. In it, you know what I mean? So yeah. um, whenever a deal comes up, though, I already know the numbers because I lived there and that's where I started. That's where I cut my teeth and we can make decisions really quickly. But other markets, if you're being reactionary, especially this is what I'm seeing, you're five, you're, you're, you're five days behind the first LOI. You know what I mean? Like by the time you 
run it through your underwriting and run, do your market research. Somebody else already got it under contract, especially in yeah, this yeah. thing. Yeah. So it's, uh, sure. I started expressing to my team, like we have got to stop looking in all the markets, right? Which we yeah. weren't, we, yeah. we were looking in four or five, but I was like, we got to start looking in the hoods that we want to invest in. And then we will know. Uh, and it, it's, it's making a difference. So yeah. I'm glad that you said that. Well, cool, man. So, uh, Mo momentum multifamily it's, uh, you and Hayden, right? Is yeah. that just, just the two of you guys? You got, uh, any more? Uh, nope, just us. Uh, we, we have some, uh, we do have some other, other kind of partners, uh, but they're not under this, uh, not under this, uh, umbrella. So do you guys, uh, like outsource your underwriting or do you do the underwriting? Who uh, no, uh, Hayden does the initial underwriting and then if it looks interesting, then we kind of, uh, we'll kind of chat about it and go from there. So, but we have a, we have a pretty good system, uh, going on, you know, our main focus really, there's so much deal flow in Houston. We we're really not looking, we're looking in Dallas a little bit, but that's about it. What do you, so what do you mean? You're not looking like it just, it's just coming to you. Uh, no, we just, there's, we just have, we have so much deal flow in, in Houston that we, you know, it, it's all we can handle. So, um, so, I mean, we look a little bit in Dallas, uh, just because we're here and we keep kind of keep tabs on it, but, um, but you know, we, we've got our hands full in, in, uh, Houston. I mean, we're, uh, I guess last week, I mean, we were in five, in the last two weeks we've been five best in finals. So. I'm on your guys' uh, marketing thread, and I get a lot of emails from you guys. Uh, y'all do y'all y'all push out quite a bit of marketing uh, via email. What else do you guys do? Uh, we so we have uh, we do online networking. Uh, we we have uh, webinars. We actually have a webinar um, with you probably know him, uh, Gary Lipsky. So he's uh, like he's asset doing management, right? Is his big yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he's do he's talking about asset management uh, tomorrow. And then next month we're uh, doing a webinar with uh, Rob Beardsley with uh, Lone Star Capital. Okay. And that's, is that kind of like what you guys attract investors with all of this stuff that you guys do? Like obviously your marketing is going out, but you're pretty active, like uh, constantly doing live events with people like that. Uh, and and yeah. me, I just got the podcast going. I don't do too much like live stuff. I think it's probably got a lot to do with my military schedule, which I'd like to fix that. But um, have you seen more benefit from what is it they call other people's platforms where you uh you know chat with somebody else who's got a pretty big following and now they follow you and 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 you attract more people that way? Is that kind of y'all's target? Yeah, I mean it. You know, it it's all. Uh, there's not like a magic pill or magic bullet, whatever. Um, it's all the way I kind of see it. It's just like, you know, you've heard the term streams of income. So it's just like mar marketing is the same thing. So, I mean, you know, we try to be on different podcasts, you know, we're, we're in charge of a few Facebook groups, you know, we do networking events, we do webinars. So it all just kind of trickles in and, uh, you know, and then we post on social media quite a bit. So um, it all, you know, there's not one that's like, you know, the, 
you know, the Mecca or whatever, it all just kind of, kind of trickles in. What's the, then he has, he has a Facebook group, right? Yep. 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 Momentum. Uh, yeah. Momentum multifamily. Yep. Yeah. He does the momentum Mondays. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. I'd like to get Hayden on the show. If you uh, wouldn't mind yeah. reaching out to it, it'd be, be cool to have you both on. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal, man. So, uh, so let let's let's transition to I, I, the the three questions that I ask everybody on the podcast, right? Uh, and I'll give you some time to think about them. But question one is, what has been your biggest mistake in real estate? Uh, I mean, I think the obvious question would be not not buying everything under the sun, but um, but besides that, I would say. Uh, we two, you know, the big, big thing that I would say is um, if, if a management company is not already in the area, uh, we've, we've, we've seen those deals struggle. So if we're bringing a management to a, an area uh, that they're current, not currently managing, um, that deal uh, tends to struggle. Um, you know, in any of these deals, the, the reason why they, they haven't performed uh, on our end uh, or performed as well as we'd like them to is because of uh, the, the management in the office. So, um, man, it, it's crazy how quickly, you know, um, a deal can, can, can kind of go, go south on you based on the, um, you know, based on you know, the, the office and all that. So it's, um, uh, you know, but the, the management not being in a particular area and then you bringing them to that area has been, um, you know, probably the biggest mistake. Okay. Like what, what happened was just weren't good at marketing, didn't have the network or resources. What was uh, kind of all of the above. I mean, you, you know, I mean the, the management company that we're working with and, in Houston, I mean, they got 20,000 doors in Houston alone. And so, you know, if we need anything, it's easy to get. Um, and the fact that they've been, you know, working in that area, uh, you know, uh, like our regional has been, been in Houston and she's been doing this for 30, 35 years. And so she knows every property she's been to every property. She knows every submarket. Um, and so if we have any questions, we can ask her, if we're taking a management company and we're going into, because everything is local, we're taking them to a small town they've never worked in, it's probably going to be a little tough. That makes sense. That makes sense. Good advice. All right. Question number two, what is your definition of success? You know, I, I've answered, uh, I, I forget which podcast I've heard that on before. But um, I, I would say for me, I'm, you know, I'm really just trying to, uh, you know, deliver value for other people. Um, I'm very interested in, in progress and, and just getting better. Um, you know, I think earlier in my career, I think it, it's real easy to, you know, look at other people and then frankly get bummed out. Uh, you're like, I'm not as far as that person, but you also have to look at the fact that, you know, everybody kind of has their own story and their own, you know, they're at a different chapter in their own story. And, and so you can't really, you know, compare, um, you know, I forgot the, what the, there's some 
famous quote, you know, comparisons of thief of joy or something like that. Yeah. But um, anyways, um, you know, I, but just trying to get better every day. And, and uh, you know, I, I post quite a bit on social media and, and just really just trying to be a, a positive influence. Um, I run quite a bit. And, um, yeah, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and they've said that they start running because they see me running. And, um, and, and so just, you know, or, you know, we've had people that I've had people on my email list for 10 years and they've kind of been, they've been watching, you know, watching me and I didn't know it. And, uh, you know, I had them recently invest with me and, you know, and so that, that means a lot. And, uh, so, but yeah, and we've helped a lot of, a lot of people, you know, along the way have, have been able to, you know, potentially reti- retire and, and, um, you know, leave their, leave their jobs if they need to. Some people love their jobs and, and it's a great fit, but, you know, some people, they've been able to create a lot of passive income based on, you know, um, a lot of the work we've been able to do. So, um, so that, that just, you know, feels good. And then, sorry, this is very long-winded, <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, and really just, you know, we're very interested in, in giving back and, um, you know, we are doing that in a few different ways. All right. I'm gonna throw another question there. It's the first time I asked it on the show. I just thought of it. So bing. Uh, what, give me an example, like, let's say one relationship that has changed your life other than like your wife and your kids, kid, but like one professional relationship that's changed the course of your life. You can say the name, you can say whatever you want to, or just give an example. Um, man, uh, I think there's, you know, there's, there's a lot there. Um, curveball, curveball, yeah, yeah, yeah. off guard, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, so I, uh, probably I, you know, the first person that kind of, kind of comes to mind is, is, uh, Kenny Wolf. Um, he's a buddy of mine and, you know, I saw him, I was at LP. That was the first deal I was an LP in and saw him do, uh, his first deal. And I was a, you know, he was nice enough to let me come in and be a KP. And, um, you know, so I got to see him do it. And, and frankly, I mean, it was, you know, it was a big deal. He didn't have like, he wasn't in a, a group and all that. And so, um, it was, you know, a lot more difficult to raise money back then. This was, you know, 2012, everybody was still scared. We we're about to dip back into a recession. And so people weren't, you know, used to put money into apartments. Um, so I got to watch him, you know, put that deal together. And, and frankly, you know, I mean, he's super, uh, super nice guy, super great guy. And, um, but you know, that gave me a lot of confidence and like, Hey, if this guy can do it, I can do it. Yeah, man. Awesome. All right. The, the last question is what bruises your bananas in the real estate world, but set the record straight on some bad gouge. You know, there's, there's a few things that, um, you know, there's a lot of people that say their deals. Um, everybody, everybody says their deals conservative that, you know, we all get all the emails and all that. Um, you know, that's, I, I guess, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a pet peeve of mine, but um, can you kind of explain again, uh, kind of the the purpose, you know, the bad banana, or I can't, I forgot what you, how the you bad banana, or I forgot how you termed it. The bad, what's your baddest banana? 
no, what bruises your bananas, man? Like what, what in the real estate world have you heard that's not true or is just bad gouge? Like every time you hear it, you, man, that, that ain't right. Cause there's, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of misinformation in the real estate world. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would say, you know, so going back to it, I would say um, if, you know, people, everybody says they're NREX conservative and all that. And I mean, the fact of the matter is, I mean, there's a lot of capital in the market. If you're winning deals, you got to put, you got to push the numbers somewhere. You can't go in, Oh, my, you know, my deal's conservative, it, blah, blah, blah. Um, you, you know, you've got to push somewhere in order to win a deal. Uh, you can't go in and every, everything be super conservative and actually win a deal. So that kind of, um, yeah, I wish, which, you know, I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. Um, but, uh, you know, I, it's a, it's a good, you know, it's a fun, uh, fun market, fun, fun process. And, and there are a lot of really good people. Um, in, in the, um, in the space for sure. And, um, so, but that's one thing that kind of irks me a little bit. Everybody says they're under ranks conservative. Everybody. Well, that's, uh, had a, a broker out of mobile. Who's also a, a GP stuff. And he was telling me, um, as I was asking, I was like, look, man, we're getting an outbid on all of our deals. And he goes, yeah, well, I mean, the market's hot. I was like, well, what do those guys got that we don't need? Well, if he was like probably strong offers, right? <laughs> and, uh, but I was, I was like, well, we, you know, we, we, we all are talking about his name's David Monroe. He's out of Mobile. Yeah, he's a good brother. Yeah, but yeah. he broke it down to me real clear. He's like, look, other people are winning deals because their risk tolerance is higher than yours. Yep. I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, are you willing to put hard EMD down? I says, I don't, I don't I know. I, I would lose the money if uh, the, the deal goes south. And he says, yeah, well, those guys who are putting hard EMD down have already bought it in their head. They already know the market. They already know the property. They already know everything about it. They've bought the property in their head. And so there's no chance of them not buying it. I mean, unless some like unforeseen circumstances come up, but they're willing to risk the EMD so they get the deal because they know it's worth it. He's like, if you're going to buy it, what's, what's, you know, a 25% or whatever, whatever the EMD was that I was talking, it was like, uh, it was like a couple hundred thousand dollars. Like, dude, I can't lose a couple hundred thousand dollars. He's like, yeah, well, you're going to lose a lot of deals. And I said, ah, yeah. And after that conversation with him, it was on a smaller unit. It was like a 10 unit, but, uh, I was like, all right, cool. Uh, I'm going to take this. And we went and, and went into a, a highest and best on like a 10 unit apartment complex, but I was like, you know what? I know this property. I know exactly what we're going to make. We're going to buy. We went in all cash, seven-day close, no contingency, sight unseen, seven-day inspection. And uh, that was the most aggressive bid I'd ever put in. And, and if you'd asked me to do that in 2015, it had been crazy because 2015, I was like negotiating, you know, down, right? But seller's market. And we got the deal. And the reality of it is we... Uh, we, that was one property, an example that I knew everything about this property before, and there was no reason why I wouldn't buy it all cash. We refinanced out of it pretty quickly, got our money back. Right. But even knowing like the, the idea of knowing everything about it, I would have been looking at risking, uh, you know, whatever the EMD say it was like 25 grand. If I would have not have risked that we we're now looking at adding $250,000 in equity in six months. 
So 10 timing, 10xing my risk, right? I can accept that. And uh, and that's exactly how that shit went down. And and now we're getting ready to uh, I think December, we're on track for December to to refi, pull all of our cash out, have a cash flowing property. That's a joint venture. We didn't syndicate that, it's just too small, but uh, you know, it's gonna make money, gonna make mo- a, a good chunk of money. And if we wouldn't have been willing to risk it, then we wouldn't have been able to make anything. It is different at like the syndication level. You talk about you got like friends and family. I can risk my own money, but when it comes to syndications, uh, I'm a little, I'm, I am more conservative because if I, if I lose my money, like whatever, who am I going to be mad at? But, but if I lose other people's money, I'm mad at myself for a long time and they're mad at me too. So I don't know. I got to balance that. got to do better at it anyways. Well, cool. Uh, Dustin, if people want to get a hold to you, find you on social media, learn more about Momentum, uh, you and Hayden, where can they, where can they do so? Uh, yeah, just go to MomentumMultifamily.com. My email is Dustin at MomentumMultifamily.com. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Dustin Miles. Uh, I don't remember if they do middle names or not, but and then uh, I'm on Instagram at Dustin Miles. Yeah. And then uh, uh, on Facebook as well. But um, yeah, Instagram and LinkedIn are probably best. What should they reach out to you for? Uh, I mean, they just want to say hi or they want they want to watch me run. And that's cool. Too. <laughs> God, but, uh, come but, uh, watch me run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, are you I, that good? At, are you that good at running that it's like uh, an interesting thing to watch? Or you just, uh, you no, I, funny? Just, I just post my mileage and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I've never wanted to watch somebody run. Maybe maybe a foot race. I'm not very fast, though. Yeah. Well, cool, man. And what about uh, people want to invest with you passively into your deals? I um, guess if uh, other people out there have deals that they need to partner up with, I heard you said you were uh, KP on a couple deals, uh, reach out to Dustin Miles. Uh, the information will all be in the show notes, brother. But other than that, Dustin, I appreciate you coming on to the show. Happy to have you. And I hope you consider me in your network. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Nice to meet you. You too, man. Thanks for listening to the Gorilla State Investing Podcast, where we give you the ground-pounding truth about what it takes to be successful in real estate. Learn more at realfocus.org slash gorillastatepod.